episode wow you know this i this episode is just it's so important it's so on the money but essentially it's a little bit sad because i have brought in a great friend who has i've tried to have on afrolit forever but today we are dedicating this episode to one of our great 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 musicians within the coupe de calais world within the Afri- african music world we are commemorating it to dj arafat from Côte d'Ivoire and I couldn't I couldn't have this conversation with anyone else than Yoni from Vika Welcome to Afrolit Yoni Thank you thank you for having me Ekwa I'm so excited this this has been long overdue I know Um and it's so thank shout out to Wendy Wendy Odwar I had her last last week <laughs> Miss Kenya uh, right? USA Miss Kenya <laughs> USA for connecting us and it's crazy how many years has it been now uh, uh, when did we do that video I think last like, year was it last year mm-hmm. wow time flies it feels like long I feel like I've known I knew you in a past life right maybe. yeah probably <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> right I knew you I definitely knew you but yes no the crawl is an amazing platform that highlights the histories and our just our story and bloodline of African heritage I think it's a beautiful platform and I'm sure we're going to get into it but first of all you got to rep your flag right, tell the people right. where are you from so uh, I'm from Côte d'Ivoire uh-huh. yeah I was born in Abidjan but Very actually nice. I'm my hometown it's a little town called uh, Taboué okay it's like uh, two hours away from Abidjan oh really yeah okay. like an hour 30 minutes from Abidjan yeah. oh that's so nice yeah. so did you like You spent most of your time in how do I pronounce it? Say it one more time. Tabwe. Tabwe. Okay. Okay. Yeah. How did you like always spend most of your time there like growing up with your family or did you travel to like Côte d'Ivoire? Like is it like a suburbial relationship with Côte d'Ivoire or like uh, what was the relationship? Yeah, so my family is from there, but mm-hmm. as I said I was born in Abidjan. Mm-hmm. The funny thing is that I never grew up in Côte d'Ivoire. I used to go mostly for vacation. Mm-hmm. I lived there until my second birthday. So I left when I was two. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I've never, I don't have like memories of living in Côte d'Ivoire except from when I was going for vacation and stuff like that. So yeah. where was your family then based? Uh, like, where? like everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when I was born, my yeah. family was in Congo, okay. like Kinshasa. Oh. Yeah, but then we moved to uh, Italy. Okay. When I was two, and yeah. then we moved to Ghana. Amazing. Yeah. And how many? Like, how many are you? Are you an only child? How no, many siblings? I, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> the rare. Even if you're an only child, there's no only childness. You know. So yeah, I've, um, yeah. I have four sisters. Oh wow, yeah. wow that's amazing. Uh, you're the youngest. No, I've like. Uh, Three older sisters. Oh, three. Oh, so you're kind of in the middle. Yeah, I didn't I'm know that. Middle. I'm in the middle. The things you find out on the Afrolit <laughs> fam. See, Afrolit is finding out. The fam is finding out with me. Okay, yeah. that's dope. So, okay, you you said Italy. So you've been seasoned traveler. I love it. See, th- I love this because I feel like sometimes the stereotype of Africans is that, you know, we're so close-minded and we haven't, like, 
been abroad or we don't really know like Western society. So like, just tell me more about your experience of like, okay, when you went to Italy, like, was it like, was it as, you know, scary? Were you just so used to being like the only, I'm sure, the only African person, especially like Francophone? Like, tell us more about that experience. Yeah, so uh, <clears throat> in Italy, I had the chance to go to an international school. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't the only African, you know, we were yeah. a lot of Africans, you know, uh, children of like um, embassy. Yeah, like diplomats. Nation, diplomats, mm -hmm, all mm -hmm. of that. Yeah, so... Um, was a pretty nice experience you know uh and then moving to ghana and after ghana france you know so yeah it was mostly in france that i experienced being the only black in a school really you know, I yeah i spent like three really? or four years being the only because <laughs> my parents put me on some uh, i think uh, private school you know yeah 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 so, yeah. yeah sometime i think i spent yeah, three years being the only black or we were like two or three you know, it wasn't that much. That's so yeah. crazy. I I would have ex I would have thought the opposite. I would have thought like in France is where you would have met the most, mm -hmm. like especially like francophone Africans. You know, in that space. Yeah. Wow, that's so crazy. Yeah. So like, and did you feel like was there that like how was your like mindset then? Like, were you really trying to fit in or were you okay with being like, you know what, I know I'm different and this is just what I'm, I'm gonna kill it at whatever I'm studying, you know? What was your mindset at? Yeah, I think uh, my mindset was like, yeah, uh, I need to I need to fit in, you know? Mm. With, you know, you, okay, like. And how old were you in France? Maybe eight. Yeah. yeah eight, uh, yeah. Wow, eight to like, eight, <laughs> eight to like to now, now, or like eight to like, because <laughs> I know you've had you've been back and forth in France. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. So I, so eight plus seven. Okay. Of like <laughs> 15, right? yeah, so Quick I, maths. Yeah, I moved when I was eight, and yeah. then I left when I was fifteen. Okay. Yeah, and then when I was fifteen, I went back to Italy. Actually. Ah. Yeah. Okay. I so, went back to Italy for three years. That's where I, I got my, uh, what we call, back. Okay, so yeah, the back, yeah, 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 yeah uh-huh. High school diploma. Yeah. And uh, and why did you leave? Was it just like you were, like, family was moving? Or you yeah, were just yeah. like, so okay, you, okay. Actually, my dad was in Italy, and uh, I was in France with my mom. Yeah, oh, I, was, okay. I was staying in boarding school. Yeah. You know, so at some point, my dad was like, all right, uh, you guys come back, you know, yeah. come, come uh, stay with me in Italy. So we just went me uh my sister my younger sister and my mom yeah okay and so what what were your hobbies because like moving around a lot that must have meant you spent so much time like on your own like even if you had friends like it's we didn't have facebook and all these things yeah. you know what i mean there was no instagram so it's like how did you keep yourself occupied as you were growing up oh well my like I really loved drawing. I was yeah. always drawing, actually, always, yeah. always, always drawing. Creativity, yeah. uh -huh. the uh, early stages of the crowd. You know, when I was, <laughs> when I think about it, it's crazy because I was like, it was like an addiction. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Was it embraced by your family or were they like, ah, stop that. making fun of me? Yeah. Because you know, I was drawing and like creating stories, uh, okay. talking to myself, yeah. talking, like making the characters talk. Like it was, yeah. when I think about it, I'm like, wow. But oh yeah, we, we love drawing, um, reading, always reading, thanks to my parents also. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, playing football, of course. Of you course. Know. 
Yeah. Team, what team do you say? Are you yeah, Arsenal? So, no. Ah! If you're Arsenal, you can't be friends anymore. I'm honestly, that's, that's the worst team ever. Come on, guys. Stop this slander. So I'm neutral. Have, if you have some Arsenal fans right now, ah. I know they're listening. We have Arsenal fan listeners. <laughs> Dang. Yeah, don't come for them like that. This is a neutral playing ground. Uh, it's a neutral yeah. Playground. But yeah, no. I think, okay, that's so interesting because I feel like. Because of that experience, I find myself in the same boat too. Like I spent a lot of time. I mean, for me, I always just like talking since mm-hmm. podcast. But um, I just I know that there's so much time when you're isolated, especially when your family's moving around. Like, and I can imagine like growing up now when you're in high school, like you really want to be in one place. But it's like because of just the family, you know, dynamics and like moving back and forth, it's really hard to maintain those relationships. So did you find yourself like, is that what has made you really close with your family? Or do you find that sometimes like you're able to like work on your own and work independently just because of your background? Of... Mm, uh... Like the the travel, the yeah, the traveling. Like, how has that really shaped the way that you work? Because I find, like, you know, again, taking it to the crawl, mm-hmm. I want to get into how you, I were able to like come up with these i this idea, sure. but like it seems as though like you are so it's so easy for you to convey a message really well, you know. And I want to know if like maybe the traveling and the drawing helped shape that. Probably, yeah, you know, probably because you know traveling opens your mind there. Yeah? yeah, so, so much. Yeah, I think traveling know? helped me a lot. Shout out to my dad. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, traveling definitely. And uh, you know, when you spend time by yourself, you have time to know yourself and mm-hmm. know what you like, know your strengths, your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Being, cause I have friends, yeah, but I was spending most of the time by myself. Yeah, too, yeah. So it helped me a lot, you know, to uh, really go inside and from an early age, actually, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so tell me more about like what you did for fun and like the communities that you build, you built within like France. Like, did you find yourself like listening to music from like Ghana, from Cote d'Ivoire? Like, was Coupe de Calais like really heavy? Oh, in yeah. your life? Oh, yeah, like, come on. Man. Ah! <laughs> Even in France, like, my mom was so, some was like really influential in the community. We, mm-hmm. we didn't live in Paris, we live in Nantes, you know. Okay. And she was uh, like the tante yeah, of everybody. Yes. You know? So everybody was coming. I met, uh, I don't know if you know, like Jet Set. Yeah. The people who created Coupe de Calais. Oh so my I, met, gosh. I met them. Yeah, they came to my house. Um, you know some football players, yeah. all of that. Yeah. So I grew up in in this in this uh, kind of environment, and also my fr- my close friend and I we we had our own kind of uh, group. We yeah. called ourselves le le clan des bourgeois. Shout out to, oh to Momo God. and JV. You yeah. know my, my my boys from like we were so young. But it's yeah, we, we we're doing our own jet set. Yes. And our generation, every Avoran listening to this right now, we know we all had our group and yes. we all had the names. We're trying to be like Duxaga <laughs> and all of them. <laughs> I'm so yeah, weak. So, yeah. I grew up on Coupe de Calais. I love it. And we are the Coupe de Calais generation too, you know. Mm. When when we talk with uh, when we go back home, even when we meet each other, we mm. know we are the Coupe de Calais generation. That's how we 
call ourselves yeah. too. Yeah. So definitely a huge influence. That's so, so amazing. And it's, I love the, just, I feel like that in itself, especially the relationship with your mom and being like the Tantine and like we all have that sort of pillar in every community. And I feel like ob- obviously sometimes in America, like that gets lost just because of like, you know, now you're interacting with like other people within the diaspora and sometimes like they don't view the, you know, there's just like different respectability politics, right? Yeah. But in France, like, tell me more just about how you, like you say that you're the Coupe de Calais generation. Like, what yeah. does that essentially mean for someone who's like an outside, you know what I mean? Like an outsider looking in, like, was it that, is it that Arafat was like, and Jet Set were like the people that really influenced and like that was like the music to listen to? Or what was it that really makes... <coughs> Our generation defined Coupe de Calais. Yeah, so Coupe de Calais came in 2002, 2003. Yes, you yes. Know, it was kind of a response to the war because Cote d'Ivoire yes. was like a peaceful, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, as we say, Pays de l'Hospitalité. It was the know. epicenter, you well, know, epicenter, not yeah. to cut you off, but just like everyone, even my family, like being from Kenya, knew like for fashion, for art, for music, like, maybe not my generation, like a little bit earlier than that, in like the early 90s and like late 80s, like everyone wanted to be in Abidjan. Like yeah. that's where mm-hmm. it was, you Abidjan know? Was and unfortunately, the war changed th- a lot of that. It so. war, the war changed everything. Yeah. So Coupe de Calais was really uh, uh, the response from the people to, yeah. to the war and to the separation. And it came at the moment where... We we were young, you know, so mm-hmm. we didn't really know. Of course, we knew genre like Zuglu, yeah, who was, which was also a response to some crises that happened in the nineties, yeah. you know. But Coupe de Cali came at a moment where okay, we it's like when you start thinking for yourself, kind of, mm. you know, you're not a child anymore. Yeah, so Coupe de Cali came at that moment, and we're all looking up to Duxaga, yeah, Lino Versace, yeah. all of them, and I'm talking about me, but. Even my sisters, they had their own group too. Yeah. <laughs> so Coupe de Calais was really something, yeah? It was like, yeah. I would honestly, like, I think I equate it to like, I wouldn't necessarily say, like, it, it has like, obviously, like, it's hip hop influences, mm-hmm. just in the style. And like, when you look at the videos and even when you go back to like, Arafat's like first hits, yeah, you know no, what I mean? No, no, like, it's no. like the swag, it's like there's that swag, there's that confidence, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And mm-hmm. even like the dancing that came out of it. I think 90% of the videos that we even see now mm-hmm. of like, you know, all these like dancers going viral, like mm-hmm. 90% of the beat is like a Coupe de Calais beat, yeah, you yeah, know what I mean? Coupe so Coupe de Calais is more than a genre, actually. Right. Coupe de Calais was like for us, beyond the music, it was fashion. Yeah. Oh my God! That's when we started discovering brands like <laughs> Burberry, Vuitton, <laughs> Gucci. You know, so we trying. We really, we were really trying to to look like these people, like wearing like uh, I don't know, like um, these shoes, uh, boots. Right, yeah, like, the Timberlands. Uh-huh. Yeah, shoes like that, like uh, wearing shirts and stuff. Right. We were really trying to look like like these people. So Kubeka was mm-hmm. uh, literally a movement because it changed everything in Cote d'Ivoire like, right. for real for real and when did you start hearing about DJ Arafat like Yo. he was always I think for me personally like he actually his music is what first introduced me to De Calais mm. for being on it. and then I took it back and heard about like Jet Set and all mm. these others mm. but if it wasn't really like 
it wasn't really on my radar until him. And mm. I think it's also just because of like how he was able to mix like, you know, the French and even sometimes like Lingala in there. And it's like <laughs> having that, um, what is it? Being so close, being from Kenya, being so close to Congo, like yeah, yeah. just understanding some of this. And it's like, oh, wait, what, what is this? You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, so what was like the influence for you? Like, were you always a fan from the beginning? Or for like, Afat? yeah, Afat came with Jonathan and Jonathan yes. was like this song. Right. I remember, I remember yes. one time he went to uh, to um to some like b- baptism or yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> and like there was some security people and one of uh, the security person was uh, not from Africa uh. and when she knew that we were from Ivory Coast she was like oh play Jonathan <laughs> play Jonathan you know I, I will never forget that yeah. day you know? so Jonathan was definitely I think yeah that uh, that's the song among, yeah among the top three songs of Coupe de Cali. Definitely. You know. And so, it sh- and yeah. I think it even and that's what even allowed him to now even collaborate with like other Nigerian artists, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, doing songs with Flavor, doing songs with Davido, doing songs with and then even now I would even give Afat kind of like that gateway he allowed, you know, the people within the diaspora, so like people like MH Day Daju, like even Aya Nakamura, like I would give him that credit because I think it wasn't until like the scene saw someone like him and like, you know, the swag, the confidence, like having this whole crew, it like now could show people like, oh, this is something that can actually take off. Even if they're, you know, now, like when you think about all these different artists, they're not necessarily Coupe de Calais artists. But like he was really influential in just opening that door. Yeah, but your, you know, your was the most influential African uh, francophone African artist. Right. MHD was influenced by Yorobo. All artists from Cote d'Ivoire, even the haters, right. the people who didn't like Arafat, because he had a lot of beef. You know, yeah. All of them were in- inspired inspired by him. You know, it was really old in Coupe de Cali. Coupe de Cali was Arafat. You know, when yeah. Duke Sagat died, yeah. Coupe de Cali became Arafat. Yeah. You know, and he, he did it really well. Like, I've never seen an artist as creative as uh, Arafat. Completely. Yeah, like, even if, if, even if, I, even if I look at, like, uh, reggae or different yes. genre, yeah. Arafat, come on, yeah. it's the number one. Like, <laughs> every, every month, every month it changes his name, like... Right. Come on, man. Every week uh, he releases something else. Like, his inspiration is unmatched, honestly. Arafat was definitely. Even MHD wrote a letter. Oh, you know, MHD mm, is in jail right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. He, he had the chance, he wrote a letter, and in the letter, he basically said that, yo, Arafat was my inspiration and of course yeah yeah, yeah. i read the letter and you like that uh, yeah and that's i think the beautiful and i'll even put in the show notes so that those who ca- who didn't see it can see it mm-hmm. and he, i think he posted it on instagram right that's yeah, the one yeah. so it's like that influence like him and even just you know projects i know that they probably had like things to do once he came out like they were planning to do something together and like i'm sure there's going to be unreleased songs that will probably come out in the mm-hmm. next couple of months mm-hmm. um but I think that the beauty about him is just like also just putting representation really matters. You know what I mean? And I think sometimes, especially I think Europe has really been able to like showcase this better than America has. And I think it's the wave is slowly but surely going to come that 
there is more to one definition of African music. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think sometimes because of the language, you know, being the Anglophone and Francophone and Lusophone, like those stories, those genres who aren't necessarily Francophone or Anglophone get lost in the wayside. Mm -hmm. But I think because Kupedekale is dance, yeah. And lay is sauce and confidence. Yeah. And obviously, like, you want to dress like these guys. You know what I mean? Like, you're seeing their inspiration. Like, when you saw someone like Afat, it's like, okay, like, yo, I could be cool and look like him and, like, do this. And, like, look how fly he looks. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. look, like, we can all dance and have a good time together. You know what I mean? And I, I want to know, in your opinion, like, do you feel <coughs> as though now, like, Coupe de Calais can even grow even more? Like, do you think now so many eyes are now back? I mean, it's unfortunate that, like, post-humorous, a lot of artists make more and, like, have more influence. But do you still feel like Coupe de Calais can, you know, traverse into America? And, like, I know in New York, there's places that obviously play at Brooklyn, different spots, but do you think it will ever really take off like what's your opinion uh, mm, take off in what sense well it's really more i wouldn't necessarily equate it to like and i don't want to get into the whole debate between like afro beats and afro beat and like how we define it and all the different subpar genres with or not subpar but sub subcategories within that but just to be considered a genre that people want to go into you know what i mean like not necessarily like becoming the next dafido like do you think that there can be someone who wants to be the next arafat wants to be the next arafat within the kupuri kali yeah that's impossible so yoni shut it down that's impossible but what we can do is remake some songs you know like use because kupuri kali has a particular rhythm most of the it's mostly inspired by uh, Congolese music, yeah, Rumba, plus our own uh, our own uh, mm -hmm. sounds. Yeah. Arafat was able to create his own sound, mixing like electro music, music. Uh, Rumba, Coupe de Calais, like all of that, you know. So I'm not sure if Coupe de Calais will take off, as you said, but. Um, I'm sure that... Do you even think it needs to? Because personally, need I don't think it needs yeah, to. Yeah, it doesn't need to. Because, yeah, Coupe de Calais is really, like, uh, our identity, yeah? Right. Yeah, you know, so. and I think it's very... Like, I equate it to even, you know, people like Awila Longomba and, like, mm. all those... Like, when you hear those songs, it's like you said, at a baptism, at, a like, a baby shower, even at a funeral. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's very... Things that are very personal to like African culture and identity and like genres that fit in that. Yeah. I consider Coupe de Calais one of those. And stuff like that, as long as like, you know, we exist, we'll never die because like we're going to play it in early in the morning when it's time to clean the house. You know what I mean? It's like similar to even like African gospel songs. Like it's, it, it has that level. And once you've entered into the hearts and souls of people, like you, you won't ever leave. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, of course, like there may be some remixes here and there. There may be some other artists who like come and things change as, you know, generations change. Mm -hmm. But I think that the beauty is that people will always, especially African people, mm -hmm. will always know that this is like a staple. You know what I mean? Coupe de Calais is really a staple. Yeah, Coupe de Calais is, is to me, honestly, Coupe de Calais is more than music. <laughs> yeah, it's more than music. As I said, again, 
Kupere Kale generation is not just the music. It's about like the whole lifestyle behind it. Yeah. The, 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 the good and the very bad. Because <laughs> there's a lot of bad yeah. aspect to it. But a lot of good also. Um, but I think the most important thing right now would be to tell the story of Kupere Kale. Yeah. And, and highlight all these artists. Duxaga, uh-huh. uh, Arafat, uh, and you know, those, Jet Set, like Jet Set mm-hmm. Molari, all of these guys. You know, we need, I think, people need to know about them, you know, and how of they were course. able to change the landscape because ca- it's like football in Cote d'Ivoire. Coupe de Cali and football, in my opinion, yeah. is what made Cote d'Ivoire, uh, you know, not turning complete darkness during the war. You know, yeah. it was like light in the darkness because uh-huh. the war was really bad. Was It was our first war, you know. Yeah, of course. So when Kale came and, you know, the generation, the academicians, you know, mm-hmm. with Didier Drogba, uh, Yaya Touré, Kolo, yeah, yeah. all of these guys, it really, it, it really changed everything. So I think it's time now to tell the story of Kale. Unfortunately, y'all is dead, but... Yeah, I think we, we should tell the story of Kupirikali. Of course, and that's why I think it was so essential to have you because the crowd is about storytelling, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? And you're telling stories that I think a lot of people, even and especially young African people, don't really know. Mm-hmm. So tell us more about how you even started the crowd. Like, was it an idea that you had in school and kind of like okay when i'm done like this is what i'm about to do like what was the what was your ethos mm, not really if i start mm, that's a long story but yeah, <laughs> we got time <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know as I, i've always been in my books you know yeah that's another thing you know um because i see sometimes people ask Skeptical, okay, where he got his information from. It's not something I started yesterday, too. You know, it's like, of course, like less 15 years of research, of course, you know, of reading, of reading, of reading, of learning, you know. And I think, just as a disclaimer, and again, you know, not to interrupt you, I think that Mm -hmm. we can see the you there's so many now and shout out to amy Saul of sunu journal like Mm -hmm. i think both of your platforms are of a different caliber because of the research and like the input that you put in you know what i mean and i i think any skeptics that may be listening to this and be like oh gosh like you know is it really (laughs) real it is real because at the end of the day like how else would you like you can't make up some of these stories like it's just to spend that much dedication to because this guy fam puts in so much work like there was even times where I'll see you like on your phone, like doing things, and it's like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm not even, I'm not, I'm technically not in New York, like I'm in Cote <laughs> d'Ivoire. Right. You know what I mean? So it's yeah, like it's I know the work behind yeah. the crowd. So I definitely, and I think the the support is and the reason why you've been able to grow so much yeah. is because people see the realness and see the authenticity. Amen. So yeah. Amen. So yeah, it started, yeah, like that. With through the research, but actually, what made me create the call? It's uh, when I moved from LA to New York to continue to do my master's yeah. degree. I uh, did a degree on media management, mm. and instead, we didn't have to write a thesis, you know. Mm. So it was kind, of, and our task was to create a media uh, entity or like a website mm. or something. Mm like in, in media yeah 
So I chose the craft. So that's how I created it. I was alright. I'll do an Instagram page and then yeah. I'll do some a few videos and and this and that. So that's how I created. And why Instagram? Just because I feel like you know, and I love to play devil's advocate. I just feel like sometimes it. With a platform like that, mm -hmm. because the control is out of your hands. Um, I mean, of course, in terms of like putting the content up, that's all you. Mm -hmm. But like, why did you? Why did you feel like that was the best medium to get across to people? By the way, we have a website now. So hey, <laughs> you, can, you, can, you can visit the website. Yes. Everyone yeah. go on thecrawl.com. Uh huh. www.thecrawl.com. Yeah. .co. .co. Okay. Yeah. .com like was too expensive. Ah, okay. The okay, domain. Okay. The, no, not yet. Soon, soon, soon come, soon come. Go on the website. Yes. Uh, but why Instagram? Because, at first, at least. Mm -hmm. Uh, honestly, Instagram was the easiest, easiest platform. Yeah. Me. Not only easy. Uh, I mean, easy to use, and also uh, I've seen people doing that kind of work, you know, Amy Sal, uh, was doing an amazing job with Sunu Jonas. So I think this kind of platform was the inspiration, you know, and Instagram is, everybody's on Instagram. Everybody's right. on Instagram. Yeah. So, you know, so, and also the way I wanted to tell the stories and show my work, Instagram was the best platform for it, you know, picture, exactly. caption, nice yeah. picture, caption, you know, so yeah. Because I think, I mean, the, you know, the, ch the choice also, because I feel like at the time, at least around the time you started, I feel like there was a really big push to Facebook pages. Mm. And like, I think a lot of, you know, people who were outside of America use Facebook in that mm -hmm. way where it's like they would go on and kind of scroll. Like, I remember spending time on a news feed and like looking at all these different pictures and videos and stuff. But I think once Instagram re really started picking up with these sorts of archival footages and like people really using it as a learning tool i think that's you know it's been beneficial yeah. so when did you decide that and like has it always been you like have you worked alone in doing this or do you have a team of yeah people? most of i started actually it's funny because i started with a good friend yeah you know and um we went to school together yeah. in, in Senegal because I also lived in Senegal for a little wow. bit. Okay, so just roll call. <laughs> You've done Italy, Ghana, France, then and back Senegal. and Senegal. <laughs> that's it. And well, well also LA, yeah. LA. So well, then the US, LA, and now New York and Boston and before, Boston. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So wow. we started. Uh -huh. Well, I I started. Um, team. So yeah, uh, team, yeah. team, team, team. So you started with a good friend and yeah. then now it's just like you and are you the only one in the US or do you have people outside as well? I have a few people that helping me out. Okay. So my friend's name Alisa, you know, yeah. she's in charge of everything. You met Alisa, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so she does everything art related. She's Amazing. also kind of my personal assistant. Ah, <laughs> shout out to Lisa. So Alisa, Alisa, I call her the mom of the crowd too because she, she did so much work so much work and uh, my my sister also yeah. she's helping me out um and i have a few other people creating content sometimes like consulting yeah sending me stuff mm -hmm. oh can i post this yes uh i've uh, freelance sirs i work with this guy in south africa mark mm -hmm. he does all my artwork i also work with another friend in paris who does registration mm -hmm. because it's also you know art is a big part of the crowd definitely you know, so yeah 
and um, I'm trying to put more structure to have a better team because it's a lot of work for a few people. Of course. You know, so I'm trying to put more structure of people. I'm talking to people. I'm working with people too, but we haven't really officialized everything. Yeah. And also shout out to Sabrina. She's in Paris also. Yes. She is in charge of everything culture related. She's the one who went to the Fespaco, actually. Yes, I was yeah. going to say, you've been featured. Even in, um, there's a film festival in Toronto. Was that, was it in Canada? Was it Fespaco? Toronto? No, Even Fespaco it, it was, was in, in Burkina Faso. Yeah, that was in Burkina Faso, mm -hmm. but I feel like there was a festival in Montreal that you were a part of. No, 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 no. No, no, no. no oh, okay. We did an uh, exhibition. An exhibition, yeah, yes. About uh, uh, architecture and urbanism yes. in, in Africa and how African cities are changing. Yeah. We did one in New York, we did two in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that was my mistake. Yeah, yes. but Fespaco, Sabrina okay. went. All the way from South Africa to uh, Burkina Faso, Faso for Fespaco. And wow. she was kind of reporting everything. Yeah, for I saw that. That yeah. was awesome. And so what does the Kral actually mean? <laughs> Can we get the definition a of definition. the name? Okay, so the Kral is a home. Yeah. yeah. But how I got the name, I grew up with that movie, Shaka Zulu. Hey! And... <laughs> and and the kral was actually like there was the royal kral yeah, where yeah, yeah. he was living there was his mom's kral the, yes, the, the queen mother's himself, kral yeah. so i really like the the word kral you know yeah and um then i learned more about it and i found that okay actually it wasn't really uh it's not it's not really an indigenous name but uh we give uh, we give um the words mm -hmm. meaning yeah you know so um at first, he came from Shaka Zulu, but then I spoke to South African friends and they were like, oh, it means home, you're good. Mm -hmm. okay, cool. And then I found out that the Kral actually meant, uh, the Kral was, the colonizers used the Kral to describe where indigenous people were living, but the indigenous people who didn't want to convert <laughs> to Christianity oh, or Islam or all of that. So like the stubborn, like the, the, the real like warriors. Us, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it makes sense after that. Like, oh shit, maybe that's divine. But yeah, that's another story. <laughs> and yes, yeah, so I was like, wow. So they were called, the Kral was actually, yeah, that place where yeah. they used to live. Yeah, so I was like, wow. That's cool. awesome. No, and it makes sense to the stories that you are sharing yeah. and like the, the beauty of like different religions and how like, I think, you know, we hear it all the time, but like we don't necessarily really understand that we, our history did not start with colonization. Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? I think a lot of times in schools, even just like at home, the without our like grandfathers or grandmothers telling us the stories, it's very much so that like a lot of things began at colonization. Like, oh, once we, or mm. actually even after that, it's like once we gained independence from the British, that's mm -hmm. when this, this, this happened, you know, or this is, the, or this has been our first president or whatever, you know what I mean? Like that's where history starts. Yeah. But I think what your page is doing is just providing an awesome way and also a visual aspect too like i think that sometimes we don't really see the connections between like things that are happening now or like styles that are happening now and things that happened in the past and i think the cloud really does showcase that like it doesn't 
it doesn't like make you feel like oh like you're dumb for not knowing this mm-hmm. it's just more like learn about this like embrace your culture like understanding more and your the people in the comments like people go in in terms <laughs> okay. of oh my god i didn't even know this like this is so yeah. cool blah 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 how does that make you all feel i'm happy i'm happy yeah i like, I like to see people interacting you know Except when they are fighting. I know. <laughs> sometimes they come for me. I come for for us too. Yeah. You know, in the DMs. Yeah. But, <laughs> but no, but yeah, I like it. I like it when people share the stories. Yeah. When I, I make maybe a mistake and they correct me, they bring their own um, mm-hmm. knowledge. I love that. That's also why the call exists. Yeah. To share knowledge, you know. And I recently saw that you so you started some new pages too. You started the Cal Sports, mm. there's the Cal Brazil. Mm-hmm. What's the plan for those you two know, pages? So Brazil it's as you may know, it's the largest African diaspora. Yes. So I you know, I think there is a need for them to reconnect more with the uh, with the with Africa. Africa. Yeah. And I feel like okay, let me start to do something small. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah, I started a card Brazil. I have someone actually taking care of that, so that's awesome. That's another team member, yes. <laughs> and yeah, she lives in Brazil. Her uh-huh. name is Aisha, okay. And yeah, she's doing an amazing job. And actually, she's the one who encouraged me to do it. I, at first, I was like, mm, Is it gonna work? Is it gonna work? She said, Yeah, do it, do it because people love that. And yeah, so we have a few uh community events we're gonna do in Sao Paulo, also. That's amazing. Yeah, so, yeah. And uh, crowd sport, uh, you know, sport, you know, me, I'm like uh, right. football uh, freak. Fanatic. Yeah. So, <laughs> the way I love history in general, yeah. African history, that's how I love football history, yeah. African football history. So, I created a crowd sport for that also. Yeah. And so from the crowd has also sprouted Africanism. Africanism. Shout out to the shirt. Shout out to the brand. The brand is very strong. We'll get into who recently wore it. But <laughs> tell us more about the name. Because every time I wear the shirt, people always ask me, oh, what does it mean? What is what? Africanism? Like, it's such a conversation starter. And I guess also because of the way I look. It's like, oh, you're Africanism. Like, hey, Africanism. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> That's funny. Africanism <laughs> yes. came from... Uh, Actually, the first time I heard Africanism, mm-hmm. I was in high school watching Music is the Weapon by Fe- uh, the documentary on yes. Fela Kuti. Yes. And he was talking about Africanism. I posted one of the videos mm-hmm. um, on, on the page also. So, yeah, he was saying Africanism is like an African philosophy, right. an African way of life. Right. We're not trying to be uh, the Marxist, mm-hmm. Marxist or socialis- socialist or capitalist. All of what they brought us is not African, you right. know, from political systems to how the education system is built, mm-hmm. to religion, to the way we dress, to the way we talk, to everything, even the yeah. way we shake the hands. Because here you come, they say, all right, you have a firm handshake, it means this and right. that and that. Who cares about that in Africa, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's so true. Yeah. Yeah. So Africanism, that's where I got the, 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 the term from. Mm-hmm. And then Kwame Nkrumah also used it. So it's mostly um, Fela Kuti and, and Kwame Nkrumah. And when I put it on my whole 
looking at my own experience and life in general, I'm like, wow, that's what we need. Yeah. Africanism is a state of mind. It is a state know? of mind. So, yeah. And so recently, I mean, of course, it's been worn by various like influencers. Shout out to Fola and, you know, Kofi. Fola Kwa. And everything. But Burna Boy yeah. was recently Shout out spotted. to Fola because she gave it to him. Really? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And he wore it at his listening party here in New York. Like, mm -hmm. how did did you even know that was gonna happen? Like, was it just like, yeah? Oh my gosh, that's so the so morning. Cool. So Fola gave it to him at uh, yeah the private dinner that Iranga was um, uh, catering. Yeah, you know Fola is one of the founder and partner at Iranga. Fola, Fola, this is a gift. Can you give it to him? So she gave it to him, and the next day. I see a picture on Instagram of him and some radio. Yeah. Guy. And I'm like, wait, that looks like my hat. <laughs> <laughs> so I go to Teranga. I show you for I was like, yeah, that's it, that's it, that's it. And then... Uh, I think he just kept it on the, his whole press day. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And then he went to the souk. Next thing I knew, he was wearing the hat. Yeah, I, was I was like, wow. Yeah, so that I was happy. That is amazing. I was happy. But he gets it, you know, he gets it. He gets of it. course. No, he's the brand. That's what I'm saying. The brand <laughs> is strong. And it. all these items are available for sale. And so Afrolit Squad, you definitely have to support the crowd. So what's next? What do you foresee for the next? You know, I don't, I'm not a huge, huge fan in like five-year plans. But like, mm -hmm. what are some goals that you'd want the Afrolit fam to know about and like support you and encourage you on for the crawl? Yeah, but uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I want to move uh, past uh, online. Mm -hmm. online. It's nice, you know, we're always on our phones and stuff, but uh, real life is more important. Definitely. So I want to do more stuff in real life, you know, with community. Especially with like the environmental and like, you know, the even the crisis, the Sudanese crisis, like yeah. things like that require actual people. Yeah. You know, you need to meet in person and like create so groups fun, yeah. and like build that. So really yes. Really organized, mm -hmm. you know, do stuff. And you all know Africans, we love entertainment. So... <laughs> <laughs> we gotta Music use, is the weapon. You know, we got to use also mm -hmm. this to bring the people together. Yes. So you came to the art exhibition. Yes, and, it was beautiful. Yeah, we did a link up in Abidjan, also mm -hmm. a meetup in Abidjan last month. We plan to do more. And yeah, so move from online to uh, offline more. And um, I want to do uh, videos too, mm -hmm. like video productions. Okay. Yeah. Very, Because uh, very attention nice. span is low. So we <laughs> have to keep people uh, you know, engaged. Yeah. Definitely. And video is something, yeah. Completely. Completely. No, there's even like other. I think your page, like, you know, Amy saw, and there's even another woman named Jessie Jumanji who, like, oh, does that's my the, girl. Really? Yeah. yeah, no, like, she, <laughs> her page is great. Like, I, like, seeing the resemblance. Like, We're working on something together. You right? are. Ooh. That's so exciting. Now nah, she's going to be on Offerlit too. You know, you guys have to come she's back and LA, drop it. She's in California, mm -hmm. but she has a really dope project coming up. And I was like, yo, I would love to help you. She was like, yeah. So, yeah. 
that's ah uh, so that's another thing Afrolet fam stay on top of it so lastly if with everything that has traversed you know having such a strong family base you know Coupe de Calais being at the epicenter of it what's one thing if you could tell if you could have a conversation with Arafat what's one thing um, that you would tell him or thank him for right now right now I'll cry first of all <laughs> hey, yo, I'll just tell him thank you yeah that's it thank you for everything yeah yeah because yeah. you know you can't even imagine i stayed in bed for like really? two days yeah it's really bad yeah. <laughs> <laughs> honestly <laughs> so yeah i'll just tell you yeah merci mon frère merci didier oh yeah. man because you know people talk a lot of shit about Arafat when he was alive is this is that yeah. but he's so down to earth and respectful and he doesn't care who you are he <laughs> will treat you the same you yeah know, so. no and i think that's one thing i think especially as like african culture like we always have like oh this person's a minister or this mm-hmm. person's a celebrity like it's like you have to you know what i mean like appeal and like <clears throat> shift to who's in the room and mm-hmm. like i think us as a generation are really we don't do like we don't care anymore yeah, don't <laughs> whether care. you have money or not or you're still a human being you're still here you're in we're all at the same level mm-hmm. so i think that's beautiful yeah, if i'll just say um, yeah thank you for everything yeah. you know and yeah we try to we try because his goal was also to be an ambassador of Cote d'Ivoire and of Africa in the world and he did he it was. well yeah. so yeah like us you know just continue the work yeah, yeah for sure Thank you so much. Merci. Merci à, toi, merci à toi. This has been another episode of Afrolet. I've been your host, Equa PM. Stay tuned for more. You can find me where all, or find Afrolet where podcasts are all available. And send me a voice note. Anchor now has voice messages, so you can now drop a line. What would you tell Afat? What would you want to say to Yoni of the Cloud? Do you have any ideas for him? What should probably focus more? on East African art but that's another topic oh. for another day we're gonna cover him another day and yeah follow me on Instagram you already know all the plugs and make sure to follow Yoni at the Kyle as well you're on Instagram you now have a website yeah. what other platforms can people find everywhere, you on everywhere just more active on Instagram but Twitter, Twitter the Kral tweets okay very um, cool very good Facebook the Kral yeah, and yeah. website the Amazing, amazing. It's been real. Enjoy. Stay tuned for more. Bye. Bless.